Today's episode is going to be just a little different as we're going to start off talking about Kair Elam, Mahmoud Diabade, and Emery Jones. And then I'll be joined by Zach Blackerby from Lockdown Auburn to talk Florida and Auburn football, basketball. We're going to have some fun with it only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for a new year, new system. Happy Thursday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Uh, quickly, really quickly, before we get into the latest on Kyrie Lima, Moody Abade, and Emory Jones, just want to say uh, timing is going to be a little different, just, just experimenting with some release time. So podcast is going to come out at 3 a.m. and the video is going to come out at about 8 a.m., both Eastern time. So we're going to see how that goes and just just hope for the best. Um, but first up, talking about Kyrie Elam, of course posted a video. I know I spoke about the video very briefly yesterday. He posted a video and he put one for none. And it was like, people just started just quickly coming up with, is he coming back? Is he going to the NFL? What is going on? Rumors have been swirling for about a week or two now that he could very well be coming back to Gainesville. And that is a legitimate possibility. You know, he dealt with injuries this year. Uh, he was effective when he was on the field, but injuries are a Big issue, especially when you look at corner where there's so much talent at corner every year in the NFL draft. There's corners that are just going to be studs every year. So why take one with an injury history? That causes that question. He stacks up towards the bottom of tier one, top of tier two for corners in the 2022 NFL draft. He could go late first or early second round, maybe even mid second round. He will make it out of day two or probably almost definitely won't make it out of the second round. But next year, if he came back and went next year to the NFL draft, there's a very solid possibility that he can go in the early first, maybe even corner one at that point. It's kind of a matter of, does he want more money now? or later, because Kyrie Elam is the kind of guy where if he's healthy, we have no questions really about his technique, his athleticism, his height, his length, his hip fluidity, his skill. None of that is really an issue with him, and his IQ is obviously there. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. So there's a possibility that he stays that he comes back, stays healthy for a year, or hopefully stays healthy for a year, and goes early in the draft next year, makes a few extra million at that point as a signing bonus. There's also a chance that he leaves and just says, hey, either way, I'm probably going to be a second contract guy, third contract guy, whatever. Maybe he's going to get multiple contracts. So why not just declare now and get that one extra year out of my way? And I'm one year closer to a much larger contract. So there's that possibility. So I, I think he's kind of 60-40, I'll say. 60% chance that he's going to the NFL draft, 40% chance that he comes back. The rumors are swirling. And, you know, I, I get their rumors, but where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes. And these rumors have been swirling. He has not officially declared at the time of recording this. So it's very possible Kyrie Elam is going to the NFL draft. It's very possible he's staying back. Who knows at this point. Next, Mahmoud Diabate. He, of course, was the starting inside linebacker this year, the leading tackler for the Florida Gators. He announced on, I believe, December 10th, 
my birthday, that uh, that he was entering the transfer portal, and he did that. Uh, he's more of a natural edge, but Todd Grantham was like, you know what? I suck at my job and moved him to inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Kind of did the same thing with Jeremiah Moon as well, although Jeremiah Moon it actually worked out with. And he announced on uh, Tuesday night that he is transferring to the University of Utah. I thought that Auburn would be the most likely landing spot for him, given that he's from Auburn. He was liking tweets only that said, hey, come back, war damn eagle, like, like come back home, and things like that. But you know, he ultimately chose Utah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I like going to Utah if you want to stay off ball. I think that's a very good spot to go. Utah has a great track record of developing off ball linebackers. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to be an off ball guy or he's going to move to edge. I think he's going to stay off ball because I think that's the biggest reason to go to Utah. Uh, I think that if he was going to be an edge, he probably would have just stayed in, he probably just got into Auburn. I think I think that was a big deciding factor there. Or maybe Utah lets him move between edge and off ball. They've kind of done that at certain points with defensive with defensive players. I think Patrick Tony would have done that with him, but that, that's not up to me. Um, they do play Florida week one. So this year, Mahmoud Diabadi is not done playing in Gainesville. Week one, he will be in Gainesville with the Utah Utes. He is immediately eligible because of the transfer portal. So Mahmoud Diabadi... Week one, we'll go to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators, and it's going to be lit. It's going to be awesome, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there for that. Maybe do a little live thing. We'll figure it out. Finally, Emory Jones is still not in the transfer portal, so what is happening? Is he staying? Is he going? I think Emory Jones is as 50-50 as you can get with it. Um, I, I think that, you know, I think he's kind of torn because he's a competitor. He's very clearly a competitor, a gamer, whatever you want to call it. He's a competitor. He's going to want to fight for that starting quarterback job at the University of Florida. He's going to want it. But I think the biggest thing pushing him away is the fan base. I've said it before, and I know that I had comments the other day. They were like, I don't think they were booing Emory Jones. They were booing Dan Mullen. They were booing Dan Mullen immediately after Emory Jones threw a pick. That's what they were doing. No, they were booing Emory Jones. They've done that before. They booed Felipe Franks. Don't act like the Florida Gators fans won't boo a quarterback. They'll do it. They don't give a damn. So they booed Emory Jones. I think the fans are pushing him away. I'm pretty sure his parents deleted Twitter because his parents were getting booed at games. His parents were getting trash-talked at games, and he was getting booed. And It's just just gross with uh, the whole situation. I love him. I, I want him to leave. I think that he should just go somewhere where he can get a fresh start and not have so much toxic energy around him. And I'm not even saying just the fans in that case. I'm just saying there's a lot of toxic energy around Emory Jones. I think that he wants to be a sort he wants to be a quarterback. He wants to be a starting quarterback. He's fine competing for a spot. I think he leaves and goes somewhere else. I just think he hasn't officially made the decision or officially made the announcement just yet. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, there goes my little baseball post. On your backswing, your hat falls right over your eyes. Is that how you're running your business with poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software like a boomer ill? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books out in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. Over 28,000, notice it used to be 27,000. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. 
For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That is netsuite.com slash locked. Time now for a little Locked On Podcast Network crossover action. And uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this in front of you. I guess it's fine. But Brandon with Locked On Gators, Brandon Olson, has become one of uh, my good buddies throughout the podcast network. And uh, we talk all the time, but we have not been able to really record a crossover because despite being in the same conference, Auburn and Florida interact um, very little, which is an absolute shame. But how you doing, bud? I mean, it's a shame, but it's also like very fortunate for you because I, I could I could body bag you any day if you wanted. I'm, I'm uh, thank cool. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, so I had a few people in my in my Discord, locked on Auburn Discord. Um, I'm like, hey, doing a crossover with uh, I called you the Florida guy, um, and I got a couple of good questions. It's better than when Tony calls me. Tony just calls me Gator Boy every single time he sees me. So of locked on tags. Yeah, yeah. Um, Auburn Banker asked, how many pairs of jean shorts do you own? Oh, jean uh, shorts, zero, actually. I, so I, you're I, not I, really a Florida guy is what you're telling no, me. Yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not a jorts guy. I'll wear like cargo shorts, but like I'm not, I'm not a jorts guy. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, we'll talk about uh, Auburn and Florida, um, their showdown that'll happen this Saturday in Auburn Arena. But I thought it'd be fun to talk about just kind of you know, what's going on with football uh, throughout the SEC um, from both of our team's perspectives right now. You guys are going through a coaching search or really now a staff search. Um, Auburn went through this a year ago, and it's such a fun time, I would assume, for you guys. And I really liked the selection that you guys made. I think Billy Napier is going to be a heck of a coach. But um, what's kind of that process been like for you? Uh, it, it's been awesome because I mean, I was a little disappointed with some things because, you know, Dan Mullen got fired and I was like, all right, guys, like we're going to talk about this head coaching hire and who it might be and this search. And we're going to go in depth on all these candidates. We're going to look at tape. We're going to break down scheme. And then a few days later, it's like, yeah, Scott Strickland met with one guy, Billy Napier, and he decided mm-hmm. he wasn't meeting with any more and that they were hiring him. So I had literal weeks worth of content planned and then scott strickland was like hey guess what hate you and just hired billy Napier, which i'm ecstatic for because i love what he's all about i love the coaching staff i love what he's building and what he's doing here especially because uh florida very much needed a culture change because you know yeah it wasn't wasn't great before but uh yeah i mean i mean i'm excited for it i I can't wait right yeah i mean that's kind of where Auburn was a year ago. Now, granted, their their coaching search drug on for forever, and there were so many rumors and reports coming out of people offering guys the job that didn't have the ability to offer the job, like weird <laughs> stuff, weird power struggle stuff, and ultimately ended up with Harson. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's been cool. It's been cool to see. And and so some of the you know some of Auburn's folks went down to Florida. Um, Coach McGriff went down there, and then obviously uh, Newkirk and Truesdale. Um, we're down there last season. How are those guys doing? I mean, I, they did all right. Truesdale was kind of rotationally more than anything else. Daquan mm-hmm. Newkirk stepped in and pretty much was an almost immediate starter, then got kind of rotated out when Javon Dexter really stepped up as that disruptive D-tackle, because before that it was Antonio Valentino 
and Newkirk, and they were just like, yeah, we have two massive dudes here. What are we going to do with it? Because they're not generating pass rush. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, like, he stepped in, and I got to give credit to both of them because they were both very late ads, and they both came in and played pretty significant snaps, like especially Newkirk played a lot of snaps this year. So I, I, I give him credit, and I, I think that they stepped in and just handled it like champs, and it, I mean – it, it was awesome to watch them. They seem really cool. They seem both like bought into Florida yeah. instantly, which I mean, Hey, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to buy into Dan Mullen, but Hey, they, they did it and they had fun and they showed out. It's amazing what a year can do as far as like changing the perception of what we think about someone. I mean, Dan Mullen was one of the, the no brainer hires of the past decade where it's like, okay, all right, yep, he's going to Florida. That makes total sense. And early on, it seemed like a great move. It's just crazy what can happen in literally one season. Yeah, just so much. It happened so fast, too. We're like, we, we knew Todd Grantham had to go in, during the 2020 season. We knew he had to go. And then we sit through everything, and it's like, well, Todd Grantham's got to go, but Dan Mullen's still the guy. Like, like, he's still the guy that can get us over the hump. And then it became, well, what if it's not Dan Mullen? Who, who are you going to hire that's better and then towards the end of the year, it was like literally anybody. Like, just, it's very hard to be as bad as you do. I don't care. Right. Yeah. yeah like, he, he, he lost everything. He lost the locker room. For seemingly, he lost the locker room. I don't know. There were some players when he got fired that they were like, I'm going to miss him. But at the same time, Billy Napier got hired and they were like, it's time to win games. So, right. I mean, a, a lot changed with Dan Mullen. And I, I still think he's a tremendous schemer and play caller. I just, I, I don't think he was necessarily good at anything else like he wasn't good at recruiting didn't put effort in he wasn't good with the media because he just threw fits it, if he was winning it was great but if he was losing he was a petulant child uh so that's why I, it's like i i think dan mullen is just built for the nfl he doesn't care about recruiting you don't gotta recruit you could just draw up your game plan have fun do your cute little thing and right. hopefully start the right quarterback this time well that was the thing when harston let go of mike bobo as their oc a few weeks ago there was a big chunk of the Auburn fan base that was like, oh my gosh, just give give Mullen a blank check. Just <laughs> drop the bag and get Mullen in. And then the other part of the Auburn fan base was like, no. Like, did you not just watch Mullen. what happened? <laughs> no. Like, the issue about Auburn's program right now is they need to recruit better. And and he, you know, and, and then he doesn't want to recruit. So uh, but as far as scheme, though, man, like, yeah, I think you would have done a good job getting folks open and all. But yeah, over the course of three or four seasons of not recruiting. Um, it adds up. And I actually thought Florida was one of the places where if you just wanted to coast, you could be a top 15, you know, you could generate top 15 classes. Um, I guess we just, and I still think it is. We just have to redefine what coasting and recruiting is, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where you got to try to screw it up and he, he screwed it up pretty badly there. Um, I, I will say, though, like, I know that he caught a lot of flack, like, towards the end of his tenure of being like, it's not recruiting season. We'll talk about it during recruiting season. It's like, it, it was very clear that it just came off wrong. Like, like it, what he said was dumb, not taking that away from – or yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving him extra credit for that. It was uh -huh. dumb. But he clearly wasn't saying, we don't recruit right now. Like, no, like, we oh, know you right. recruit. But first of all, he had sanctions where he couldn't go travel to recruit during the bye week and everything, so – that's why when they were like, oh, did you go recruit during the bye week? He was like, it's not recruiting season. We're not talking. I was like, because he couldn't do it. So no, he yeah. didn't do it. But also right. he very clearly meant like, we've got games to focus on. We suck. We're really bad right now. 
Like we, well, we he was he was past the point right where there's a point where you know these public public figures. I mean, we saw it with Urban Meyer. We'll just keep it in the state of Florida, where it's like after a certain point where it's like, okay, anything you say that's slightly like not perfect is everybody's just going to pile on. And this was after like you guys lost several games that you should not have lost this season, and so he was just. He was walking on thin ice, so that's just this is part of it. But yeah, it was uh, any, anything he said was wrong. It was just even if right. he said the right thing, he was wrong. Like, even if he was like, "We we are so focused on recruiting," they probably would have been like, "Why aren't you focused on winning games?" Yeah, totally, exactly. Um, I want to talk about the basketball game coming up this Saturday, but first, Brandon, can you imagine paying full price for gas at the pump? I just I, I can't comprehend doing that. No, no, that, what am I, a boomer? Who would do I'm, that? No, with now that Get Upside exists, the Get Upside app, I mean, folks are saving twenty five cents per gallon, and we've got this uh, this promo code now throughout the Locked On Podcast Network. If you use the promo code SCORE, you get an extra twenty five cents. That is fifty cents per gallon uh, by using the Get Upside app. I mean, Brandon, there's people making you know several hundred extra dollars a month, just extra coin falling in their pocket every single month by using Get Upside. Why wouldn't you do this? That's, that's the only reason you wouldn't do it. If you don't like money, then right. sure, don't get get upside. But if you like money, get get upside. It's, it's just the smart thing to do. Uh, I think so. I think so. So once again, just search get upside in your phone's app store. It is free and use promo code score. Also, can you imagine, Brandon, <laughs> placing a bet anywhere but betonline.ag? That would be ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine it because I've tried it and they sucked. I, I can tell you that much. I, I tried it before Bet Online. They sucked. I used Bet Online. Never, never turned back since then. Now, for folks who are unfamiliar with Brandon's work, he is all about going all in on bets on tennis. That is oh, his yeah, thing. Yeah, we're going to talk about um, that now. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't think I mentioned that. We're not going to go in detail there, but um, he's big on it. You should be too. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code Locked On to get your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game. Can I say also? Yeah. Uh, before that, I didn't know that I was big on just going all in on ten. I still don't know how that would work out. I, I, I like. I don't. The thing that I bet on, I don't know how that's a possible thing. But guess what? creative enough at uh at 4 a.m on a saturday you could fill in the blanks and yeah. uh yeah yeah it's fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right so auburn and florida take on you know that they uh this will be auburn's third game in conference but will this be florida's third game in conference play It'll as well florida's second game first game, got, canceled? first game got coveted out gotcha gotcha so auburn's going into this one brandon on a on a on a hot streak They've beaten both of their uh, SEC opponents by 15 or more points. The last time that happened was in 1999, and Auburn was a one seed, and they cut down the nets. And so, the, you know, the fan base feels really, really good about this team. They feel really, really good about the depth. Really, the only other team in the conference that plays as many guys as Auburn does was South Carolina, and Auburn ran them out of the gym on uh, on Wednesday, or on Tuesday night, rather. So, a lot of excitement, a lot of confidence around this fan base. Yeah, and I mean, rightfully so. Auburn is a good team this year. Uh, Florida yep. is very much not great. Uh, I'll say that. But uh, I mean, hey, you texted me before, and you were like, "Hey, can't wait to beat you guys by thirty on Saturday." I think Guess it's gonna what? be ugly, man. I think yeah. it's gonna be a beatdown. That's fine. But the only way you're winning by thirty is if you win this game fifty to twenty. 
because Florida ain't giving up a ton of points. I can tell you that much. You might demolish us from three. You might demolish us on the like with rebounding. You might win the turnover battle, but you will not beat a, beat this team by thirty. No one beats this team by a lot except zero and seven Texas Southern. Okay, and the you powerhouse will that. Yep. Yeah, no question about it. The powerhouse of this Texas Southern. Um, so LSU right now has the number one defense in college basketball. And Auburn won that game in Auburn Arena last week, 70 to 55. So I'm not big on transitive property stuff, but I do think that that's kind of interesting where it's like, okay, another team that doesn't give up a whole lot of points and Auburn found a way to get to 70. Um, if Auburn scores 70 on Florida's, I mean, that's that's a win, right? Uh, yeah, almost definitely. Uh, look, I, I, look I'm, I'm a Gator fan, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not going to be a little bit of a homer with it. But, Please do. Uh, <laughs> this offense, just not great. It seems like at certain times, this offense is just I, – I don't. it looks like I'm playing – I've explained it before. It looks like I'm playing 2K rec with my friends. Like It's just like there's, there's no rhythm. There's no flow. There's no game plan. It's just set this screen and hope for the best, man. And so this offense is really what's just killing this team. Like this defense, I feel bad for them because they're playing great. But I mean, it's the same dudes that play defense and play offense in right. basketball. And they're just shooting themselves in the foot by having no rhythm or flow, playing iso ball when it makes no sense whatsoever and just chucking up shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I had somebody, Brandon, ask in my Discord. It was Thick Marshall Hype Generator. He asked, I've heard Florida fans argue about this before, and I want to know your take. Who's better all time, UF football or UF basketball? Oof. Um, I mean, you're a big basketball guy, right? I'm a big football and basketball guy, so I'm much, much bigger football. Um, I it, it it's in my lifetime, I would probably say basketball has been more consistent, mm-hmm. but football had higher peaks. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think you get better than Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer football, but right. I don't think you get better than the first 20 years of my life where it was Billy Donovan just being great the entire time. But it, so it's like one of those things where you don't get more consistent than Billy Donovan was, but I don't think you get better than Urban Meyer was. I, I mean, on field, I'm definitely not going to say better off field. You can get very much better than that. Totally. Right. Um, Tim Tebow never beat Auburn. Just putting that out there. I don't care. Tim Tebow was also the first sophomore to win the Heisman, and he won that. He's, I don't. I don't care if he ever beat Auburn. I don't care. No, fair enough. Fair Ooh. enough. <laughs> I get it. That is an appropriate response. Yeah. I don't... So I think Auburn is going to do what they typically do, um, and over the course of forty minutes, they just—it's just unrelenting pressure, and there's no there's no relief. With, with subs or anything like that. Jabari Smith is going to be a top three pick in the NBA draft. You know, he comes off and there's still no relief offensively or from a length standpoint. They're a very long and athletic team. Against uh, against South Carolina, the starters scored 41 points. The bench scored 40 points. It's a very balanced team. Um, and they've got, they'll play 10 or 11 guys depending on if Alan Flanagan is be, uh, able to come back or not due to going through all the, you know, the, the virus protocols and things like that. So, um, you'll definitely see 10 guys. You may see 11 if Allen's back. But um, how how is Florida done playing against teams that rotate a lot? Um, <laughs> well, Florida runs into an issue themselves with depth sometimes and the fact that uh, that they foul 
kind of more than they should. Like, like you could look at the Maryland game. Maryland played a great game, and Florida just had a ton of fouls. And it's like we we we're solid, but depth wise, and when you could push the tempo, I I don't think it's going to work out very great for Florida. Yeah. You know, like they have a good defensive team, but teams, uh, I want to say tempo wise, they tend to dictate the pace to Florida. Mm-hmm. What do you think Florida needs to do to win this game? Force a lot of turnovers. That's, that's the same thing I said for the Alabama game. It's force a lot of turnovers. That's what you got. That's what Florida's pretty good at. So I think mm-hmm. I think you got to really do it and win the turnover battle because Florida, I believe, thirty percent of Florida's points come off of points off turnover. So wow. I, okay. I, I think you've really got to force those turnovers and you really got to convert on the opportunities because your offense just isn't great when you get in the half court set. And the thing is they try to operate in the half court set. They're just not good at it. It's as simple as that. Right. So uh, for folks listening, how can they check out all of your content? My friend, uh, WNS underscore Brandon on Twitter and check out whole nine sports.com. Sweet man. No, I'm glad that we finally had a chance to, um, to do a crossover. Like I yeah, said, we, we just crossover randomly. Can we just be like, hey, it's crossover. We'll play each other in Madden or something and just be like, hey, this is crossover. That'd be fun. fun. You'd kill me, but I'd still. uh, still Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Now I want to. Now I want to. You agree to that too quickly. So anytime, bring it. Hey, for Florida folks listening, if they want Auburn, spin on things at Z Black or be on social media. And of course, Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow right here on the Locked on Podcast Network.